You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, thanks for listening. It's Monday, September the 27th. Busy week ahead. It started off howling gale, driving rain here in TW11. Autumn has very much arrived, but it's brightened up quite nicely. I'll be off to Goff Sales uh, later tonight, ahead of the Orby Sale. Uh, as far as what's happening on the track this week is concerned, clearly all roads leading to paris Longchamp at the weekend. There's a little bit of rain in the forecast there as well. The big racing at Newmarket later this week is the Group 1 Kingdom of Bahrain Sun Chariot Stakes. Breaking news in the last few moments. You'll hear it later in this edition. Lady Bothorpe won't be entered today. She had a little bit of a hold-up. Nothing serious, says trainer William Jarvis. Uh, she's still on course for Champions Day, but she won't run this weekend. I'll also be talking later in the programme to Jason Anderson, who runs NRT, the biggest fleet of racehorse transporting lorries in the country. Anderson tells me he's got 48 hours of this fuel crisis until he's going to have to start taking trucks off the road. And he ships up to 200 of Britain's racehorses uh, in any single day. So that could be a, a very significant issue there. But as I said, we will start this week as we mean to go on by talking about the Qatar Prix de de Triomphe. You'll be hearing in a moment a lengthy interview with Charlie Appleby ahead of his biggest week of the season at AR and Hurricane Lane going head to head. He also gives me a strong opinion on who he thinks might end up being his best two-year-old by the end of this season or indeed by the end of next. First of all, though, uh, David Yates is with me, newsboy from the Daily Mirror. Uh, Dave, lots going on, but what kind of arc have we got in prospect? Every year we refer to the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe as Europe's middle distance championship, and that's definitely what it's going to be in 2021 for the 100th running. There really is nobody missing uh, from this year's race. You could say Mishrif, but John Gosden believes he's a 10 furlong horse. And I think that's an opinion that most of us row in with. We don't have St. Mark's Basilica, but the arc was never on the radar for um, Aidan O'Brien's horse. We do have three runners from Ballydoyle, Snowfall, Love and Broom, of course. Uh, we've got... Adea and Hurricane Lane winners, respectively, of the derbies at the Curra, at Epsom and the Curra. Um, we've got the first and second from the races on Arc Trials Day, the Niel, the Foix and the Vermeil, a, a strong Japanese challenge, Chronogenesis, and of course, Deep Bond, who was successful on the trials card. In saying that we don't have St. Mark's Basilica, winner of the Prix du Jockey Club, we do of course have Sealy Way, who was runner-up at Chantilly that afternoon. So I think that when we look back on big races, historic races, there will always be a smart Alec who pokes their nose in and say, oh, yeah, but so-and-so wasn't there that day. And really, can you? will we be able to say about, will those smart Alex uh, be able to say that about the 2021 arc? I would say not. Everybody's there and it's an absolutely thrilling race in prospect. Thrilling indeed and certainly a thrilling week in prospect for Charlie Appleby who's had such a good autumn. Uh, I've been catching up with him this morning for the latest on his two arc stars and later in this interview he'll talk about who might be his best two-year-old after some striking performances over the weekend. 
Adiar and Hurricane Lane, they went out first lot. And uh, but yeah, both uh, both in good order. Just had their routine canter this morning, um, as we documented there. Uh, the last few days, um, you know, their, their work was, or Adiar's work was Wednesday, Saturday, and he's come out of both those pieces of work in good shape. And Hurricane uh, Lane had uh, his piece of work there on Saturday. And again, they've, they've, they both... Uh, did all the right things over the weekend and most importantly have just showed their uh, well-being this morning so uh, couldn't be any happier. I mean you've talked quite before about the fact that neither is a, a massively flashy workhorse Could, but you can intuit their, their relative levels of, of well-being. How well do you think they are relative to earlier in the season? No, I, I, I'm, I'm confident they're, uh, they're as well as they've been all season to be honest with you. Um, as I said with, um, with Hurricane Lane after the uh, after the St. Ledger there, um, I felt that that was probably one of his easiest uh, of, of victories. Um, I know, you know, as I said before, you know, in Ireland there, he to, you know, Frankie got the run of the race there and looked like he pinched it at one stage um, and, and Hurricane Lane had to work hard to get there, but he did it. Um, and then he went and uh, backed it up with a, obviously an impressive victory there uh, in the Grand Prix de Paris. Um, but uh, as a, as a horse has come out of his races, there's no doubt about it. He came out of the St. Ledger uh, in in good condition and fresh and well, quicker than he had his previous two starts. Are you mindful of the fact that you've got two pretty stout stayers at the trip? Are you quite mindful of how you don't get in, in your own way tactically? Yeah, look, look, they're both very straightforward horses to ride. Um, you know, as we all know, on our day... It's where we get the draw and and, yeah. and the and the pace of the race, um, but they're two very straightforward horses as you've seen there. You know they'll be they'll be off on the pace if if needed, um, and uh, uh, you know if we, until we get closer to the weekend and start to, the field starts to sort of firm up a little bit when we start to see where the where potentially the pace will come from. Um, but more importantly, like I say it's just trying to hopefully get the uh, not get the visitors draw mm. as they say. Uh, exactly, in, in, in drawn right out wide. Are, is weather an issue for either or both horses? Um, no, the, the only horse, you know, with, with Hurricane Lane, you know, it was on the on the quicker side um, in Ireland, um, and, and William just felt that was probably against him coming down the hill. That's why he sort of you know, it does tend to come off the bridle a bit sometimes. But it, you know, he felt that it, it was fast enough there for him. Um, We've always felt, you know, ever since he broke his maiden there on soft ground at Newmarket, he's got that action and that he appreciates cutting the ground. So, you know, I don't foresee us having that those conditions. But if it were to be, you know, on the firmer side of good, uh, you know, we'd have to have discussions near the time. But looking at the forecast, uh, I'd be hopeful that we'd be, we'd be, you know, mm. on good ground, if not on the slower side of that, to be honest. So actually, easy easy side of good would be perfect for both, wouldn't it, given the way Adar has coped with, 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 with easy-ish ground at, at Epsom? Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. I mean, I, I think we'd all agree that, you know, that time of year, just on the easy side of good, everyone will be happy. Um, you don't want to see it, any race run in the slog at that level, but... Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't foresee it being on the faster side of the but you know, we never know with the, the, the weather nowadays what what we're what we're going to what's going to happen during the course of the week. But looking at the forecast, we should hopefully be racing on decent ground. Heart of hearts, how hard a decision do you think that was for William Buick, or not at all? Um, no, I think it, it, it was definitely something that was you know he's 
he's had to have a good think about it. Um, he's, you know, we've discussed it. Um, of course, it's not easy to get off a horse like Hurricane Lane. You know, he's he's only ever been beaten once in his life. But I suppose you, you'd have to say, well, he's been beaten by Adiar, who's then gone and flanked it by winning a King George. So um, I uh, I think he's, you know, well, from my point of view, it's, it's easy for me to sit back to have two runners in the race. But from Williams' point of view, to go and have to pick one. But I think he has. I think he's chosen the right horse. And as I've mentioned before, I'm keen that he, he chose his horse because he'll take confidence into the race that he's on the right horse. And uh, as we all know, that's what you need is the confidence between both horse and rider. All right, here we go. Here's one for you. Who is the best two-year-old in your yard? Beaten <laughs> <laughs> um, or unbeaten at group level. Um, but, uh... <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. You've got an unbeaten group one winner in Native Trail, and then you've got a horse that, for about three furlongs the other day in Caribus, looked like a bit of a freak and then didn't win. So, I don't know. I can't work it out. Uh, I'd have to say going... Forward, I, you know, like I say, you've got an unbeaten horse in Nature Trail, and what he's done, you you can't you can't knock it at all. Um, but Caribus in the heart of hearts has always been, I felt potentially the, the best of the the two. Ne- they've never been put together, but just as you know, we we know those Dubawis inside out, and and uh, we feel, and uh, he's always excited as from the spring. He's just, you know, he's a horse. As I've spoken to the team, we could have ran him in May and, and I would have been confident that he would have won wherever he placed him um, but just for this you know the his physique was always going to uh, benefit from just being a bit more relaxed with him and giving him the time and uh, you know, the other day it was unfortunate and, and, and after the race I never like you know we're a very fortunate position we don't have to have come up with all these um, you know sort of excuses and you know of why what why and what happened but um, you know a few hours later William and I both spoke about it watched the videos and, and, and just William said Charlie at the end of the day he said I didn't expect him to do what he did when I asked him he said I, you know, our plan was always to sort of you know, track that lead uh, and, and start to build a gallop um, because we knew we, we, we felt that we would see the mile out well um, but William just said he travelled so well and when I just picked him up he says he was electric um, and he said but I had to keep the momentum going then um, so you know it was no fault of Williams. It's a it's a horse that he hadn't shown that that turn of foot that we saw there um, quite explosively, as should we say at home. So um, I've never worried to get beat at that level. We just know we've got a good horse on our hands, and uh, you know we, we know for the future um, what we need to be doing with it. Yeah, what William and I were having a bit of a sort of a, a very sort of healthy debate at the end of the day about which race you'd run each horse in. Have you got it clear in your own mind where you'd go with them? Not really. There's a few. I mean, um, Native Traveller, obviously, he, he's uh, he'll head straight to the Dewhurst. There's no doubt about that. Um, and and as respects to this horse, like I said, he's always been a horse. Um, Corobus, that about his, his three-year-old career is going to be his going to be his gig. Um, he's come out of the race very well. Um, I wouldn't want to be, you know, depending on what ground conditions are later on in the in the autumn. There, you know, obviously, the racing post trophy. He, it is a as a race uh, we'd like to you know look towards. Um, but if it was very soft ground, I wouldn't run him because I just think that you know, for a horse like him, it might be a hard race at the, yeah. at the end of the season. That um, sometimes it can tell on these uh, two-year-olds. But at the end of the day, he could always drop back to seven. You could look at something like the Horace Hill as well and let him go and hopefully win that and put him away uh, for the winter. And um, as they say, 
dream dream for the spring. You got a busy? Have you got a busy art weekend apart from the big two? Um, we have a couple there on Saturday. Manabu, uh, who was an unbeaten girl in there, uh, one very impressive at Saint Clou, uh, running in the Prix de Chardonnay alongside Kamari. Those pair will head uh, to both to the uh, Prix de Chardonnay on Saturday, and then on Sunday, um, I said we'll be in well the, the two boys in the uh, in the Prix d'Arc and and uh, Space Blues in the uh, in the foray. Um, who's uh, who's in great form? Uh, couldn't be any happier with him. And there's a race I've been trying to get him to for the last few years, and he's kept meeting with a setback. So uh, he's been in bubble wrap since uh, since he won at York. Um, and um, we'll uh, we'll head there with with him. And uh, I say confident he'll be a big player in that. Potentially, we might just run uh, Noble Truth there in the lagger there. But that's something I'm just going to uh, to follow during the course of the week. Uh, Dave, Charlie Appleby there. Um, a lengthy interview. N- nothing we didn't really know about Adar and Hurricane Lane, though he, he intimated that William Buick's decision was a bit more difficult than I thought it was. Yeah, that doesn't come as a massive surprise. I mean, I think that the if we look at the profiles of the two horses, I mean, Hurricane Lane has, has only had one defeat, and that was when third at Epsom, uh, the feeling was that Maybe he wasn't quite ready for the race that day. And also, of course, he lost his shoe. And I think that, obviously, Adial went to Epsom as a, what, a 14-to-1 shot. He won convincingly and then followed that up in the King George. I think in terms of preparation, there was also the, the, um, the hind leg problem that Adial had, which made him miss uh, the Pruniel. So I, I think it's probably... Uh, a pretty close call. I, certainly, let's turn this round and, and consider it from the point of tipping in the race. If if you were inclined to go for one of the two Godolphin horses as a selection, that would it be really clear cut? I know yes. plenty of people. You say you say yes. I say yes. no. Uh, I think I think Adiar is the significantly the the superior. Right. And well, I think he'll have ideal conditions. Okay, well, Hurricane Lane will very likely have his ideal conditions if it's between good and good soft at Paris-Lanchon, which it looks like being. You think it's clear cut? I really don't. I think it's. Uh, I, I think the uh, the overall profile of of Hurricane Lane. Yes, history is against him because no St. Ledger winner has ever uh, won the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. But well, uh, in my mind, I think it's a lot closer than you do. Okay. Well, we will go our separate ways as regards the... I thought the most interesting part of that interview, however, concerned the two-year-olds. When I asked Charlie Appleby a direct question, who is your best two-year-old, he as good as answered it in Caribus's favour. Yeah, well, I don't think that's a... Well, I say that, don't think that's a massive surprise. It is a he's massive got a runaway. He's got a runaway crew one winner of the National States yeah, in his I was, yard. I was about to correct myself. When you consider that Native Trail humbled... Uh, Point Lonsdale and the, the the manner in which he did it, yes. But I mean, Caribus was. It's, it's quite rare when you see the aftermath of a race like that. You would normally expect the connections of the runner-up to be pretty crestfallen and just reflect on what looked like a certain victory for what probably the last quarter of the race except for uh the the final few strides but i i charlie appleby was beaming from ear to ear after that because what caribus did from what the two furlong pole to about 
100 yards out was absolutely spectacular, wasn't it? He travelled like a top-class horse. He quickened away. And then, for whatever reason, inside the final furlong, either whether he thought that he'd done enough or just he began to idle and he was overhauled late on. But, I mean, OK, that, that's a... That's a defeat on his CV after two races, but it really enhanced his reputation, didn't it? There were lots of people I felt after that who were who were looking to next year's classics and thinking, right, well, what's the what's the the stamina? Uh, what what will the stamina limitations of this horse be? Charlie Appleby said afterwards he thought Caribus would get up to ten furlongs, but uh, might struggle beyond that. But for a horse who was beaten, it, it he really couldn't have done anything more i thought he was really impressive and if if those two horses were uh, to meet again if they were to meet again at, at donkster in the in the verton futurity i think most people would be happy to side with caribas i certainly would how worried are you about what took place after racing at newmarket on saturday it's not the first time we've talked about this on the roly mile there was a really nasty fight and of course with nasty fights now on race courses they're all captured for our i'm not quite sure what um inspection enjoyment uh, perverse titillation i'm not sure but anyway you can see them now on video yeah you can and the uh, i thought there was something that was a bit of a departure about this one nick and when i, I used to go to football regularly in the 1980s and when i went to the train station my mother would say you know be vigilant be safe and i used to explain to her that fighting at football grounds in the 1980s or outside them took place largely between consenting parties if you if you wanted no part of a ruck you could avoid it i can think of two occasions when i was on um the edge of one but managed to run off pretty quickly so that um i was uh, i was in the clear and hitherto i think that's been the case with fighting at race courses a couple of years ago we saw that that very worrying footage from Ascot and also from goodwood but my feeling is that if you didn't want any part of that, then you could leave it alone. Unpleasant as it is. But when you see that fighting from Newmarket on Saturday, it's between the lifts and the toilets. Um, we, we know that that area extremely well because whatever floor that was on, it, it's the bit that's just directly outside the press room. So if you were using the toilets or the lift, at Newmarket on Saturday and you emerge from that, you walked out right into the middle of a scene from the Wild West and you see those uh, those tall silver tables which are strewn onto the floor. There's one point at which um, a race goer goes and, and tries to pick it up and I think the, the intention is to use that as a weapon. And so that's the worrying thing for me and i say like the, the the whole thing is disgusting and we need to stamp it out but there was a there was a difference on saturday for me and that was that if you're not consenting you still could have been mixed up in that and that's really dangerous just looking at that you know there were there were bloodstained shirts it was a really really uh, nasty occurrence and money needs to be spent to to stamp that out Okay, if money needs to be spent, Dave, in what areas specifically? Right. First of all, a police presence. We've mentioned this before on the NLD. Uh, York had four days of the Welcome to Yorkshire Rebel Festival. It had a strong and visible police presence. There were no reports of any problems. 
I, I, this isn't a question of splitting the atom. I think it's a question of spending some money. And the other thing I, that that it seems everybody seems to know that uh, drugs, cocaine, is being taken in racecourse toilets. Now, of course, I know there's an issue of privacy uh, in lavatories, but surely there should be some sort of attendant there at least to uh, to to curb that because it seems the the reports one hears from racegoers are that that's pretty blasé and pretty open these days. Th those are the, the two things I would do. As I say, it's, I don't think it's rocket science. I, I, I merely think it's a question of just uh, spending some money in order to stamp this out. All right, how worried are we about the fuel crisis as regards bringing racing to a halt? Well, extremely worried, I think. I mean, the, the, the issue, I think, over this weekend, I... Let me speak pers uh, personally. I had a, a full tank of petrol when I went from Forest Hill uh, to Newmarket. I then went to Epsom yesterday for racing TV, and I've now got a quarter of a tank. But um, I don't need to use my car this week because I'll be going to Longchamp uh, for the Arc. But if you did need to fill your car, there were queues absolutely every everywhere driving back from Newmarket on Saturday, including a, a couple of slightly off the beaten track petrol stations just off the A11 or the M11, where I thought, oh, that might be uh, that might be okay. How wrong I was! There were queues of tail lights coming back from Epsom last evening. Again, still lots of uh, queues at the the, um, the the stations that were still open. I saw on Sky News last night that. 90% of petrol stations are now closed. And the worrying thing was that in that report, a couple of talking heads seemed to suggest that I, I thought, well, if you if you sit this out for the weekend and you were to get to Tuesday, Wednesday, it will have died down. But um, an expert last night suggested that this could go on for 10 days. So, of course, I mean, the um, horse racing is, is reliant on its participants to... Uh, to be able to get to the races by road because race courses aren't in a, a they're not in um, towns and cities generally. And also they, they don't have carriages for horses. So it, um, it, it is a worry. I, I, I think that over the next few days, we should be, uh, we, we should be prepared for a, a rush of non runners. Cause I, I can't see how, um, horse boxes would be able to jump the queue and say, well, we need to get to the races because there'll be plenty of other people saying, well, we're in this queue to, um, because we need to do our job. So I think it's it's a very real worry. And according to what, what I heard on the news last night, it's a, a, a problem that could go on for the next week to 10 days. Well, NRT, uh, based in Newmarket, it's the biggest fleet of um, racehorse transporters in the country. Jason Anderson from NRT is with me now. Jason, how how difficult is this for you to manage at the moment? Yeah, to manage. I mean, it's 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 been a disaster for us, to be honest. I mean, we've we've managed. Um, yesterday, we managed to uh, fill up at one of the uh, local A14 um, services, which are close by to us in Newmarket. But um, ongoing, we're really unsure of what the situation is going to pan out like. But um, yeah, it's been difficult to manage. And, and just give us an indication: how many how many of horses would you be transporting to and from the racehorse uh, to and from the races or the sales in in each day? I mean, so that with us, there's 20 boxes on the road on a daily basis, so they they vary from uh, two box up to 10 box. So we can be moving up to anything up to 100 150 horses a day. That that is a, a huge load. That would have a massive impact if you weren't able to refuel. Uh, 
absolutely absolutely and uh, you know we understand the situation but we're trying to manage it the best way we can um uh, just taking it day by day really we have got some trucks that are in europe at the moment coming back we're hoping to get those filled up we're talking to the local service stations to see if there's any kind of uh, any way that they can get us on board first local businesses but i think we're you know we're really struggling to be honest how many days do you reckon you've got left, basically? How many days before you, you, you have to raise the white flag and say, sorry, we can't get all our trucks out on the road? Realistically, I, I, I'm about 48 hours at the moment. You're about, so 48 hours from saying, right, I'm going to have to start standing a few of them I'm down. Have to start, yeah, exactly. So we're, I either start trying to share loads, um, start not taking loads, you know, it's going to be difficult for us. Jason, thanks so much for talking to me. Best of luck. I hope it works out for you. Well done, thank you. Cheers. I mean, obviously, we're all ARC-focused this weekend, but the big race at Newmarket is the Group 1 Kingdom of Bahrain Sun Chariot Stakes. We were rather hoping to see Lady Bothorpe, but William Jarvis, her trainer, is on the line now. William, I, I don't think we're going to see her this weekend, are we? Um, Nick, unfortunately not. Um, we're not going to confirm her uh, entry for the Sun Chariot. Um, there's nothing... Uh, drastically wrong with the with the mayor at all, um, but I feel we did miss a, miss a sort of a crucial bit of work with her, and uh, I felt that she wouldn't just be do herself justice if she would be going there um, just a bit undercooked, um, and and I don't see any point um, in in lining up in a group one race unless every unless we're ticking every box so we're we're going to be emma banks her owner is very philosophical and patient and and understands uh the situation and we'll aim uh all being well she she we are going to confirm her uh or we're going to leave her in both both the mile race and the and the champions uh stakes at Ascot on october the 16th so that's uh with a bit of luck we'll we'll, we'll uh, that's that's what we're going to do did did you feel that that slightly below par run in, in France last time was telling you she needed a maybe a slightly longer break? Um, well, we did give her five days off at, at her at Emma's uh, cousin's farm, um, so she did benefit from that. Um, it was I don't know. Obviously, it was a below par effort in Deauville, and we were desperately dis- disappointed, but. Um, but nothing came to light. No, I mean her action was good and uh, everything. Her health, health. She looks very health, healthy still. She looks marvellous. Actually. Well, we're looking forward to hopefully seeing her on Champions Day, even if she doesn't turn up this weekend. Um, yeah. Will that? I mean, Emma's talked about getting her covered um, next year. Will that be sort of one last hurrah, if you like? Again, again, Nick. No, no decision has absolutely been made. We're going to see how she goes uh, on October the 16th and probably make a decision. And then it doesn't necessarily have to be made straight after that either. Um, uh, again, uh, we'd, we'd love to have her in training as a six-year-old. But having said that, um, she's got that group, the crucial group one under her belt and she owes uh, none of us anything. And we've been privileged and uh, very lucky to have a mayor as special as she so in short, nothing serious, nothing to worry about, but not quite, not quite fizzing for, for a group one this weekend and fingers crossed for Champions Day. Absolutely, absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. William, thanks so much for your time. Good luck with her. Not a problem, mate. Cheers, bye. Bye, bye. Well, thanks to all my guests this morning. Uh, David Yates is still with me and has a tip for you to kick off Arc Week. And it's over jumps, 237 
at Newton Abbott, number two, Faint Hope, a horse trained by Grace Harris, came up against Antire, a horse of John Joe O'Neill's who was completing a four-timer at Warwick a week ago. I don't think there are any such progressive rivals here, and I take Faint Hope to get back to winning form. 2.37 at Newton Abbott, selection number two, Faint Hope. All right, David, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. Tom will be in the hot seat tomorrow, though I will be making some contributions. Uh, That was Monday, the 27th of September. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. (laughs) 